Well, good morning. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. Good to see you all. Thanks for singing. I just love that song, uh, that line in that song, love is breaking through and the father's in the room. You know, any room we walk into, God is present. We know that he's present on earth with us. So any place we walk into, he's there moving, changing lives, inviting us in, and, and we get to be experiencing his presence and his movement in our lives. What a grace that is, that we get to be part of the kingdom of God. Uh, before we get into uh, scripture this morning, I'd like to pray with you and just invite uh, God to use the, the word of God to transform us and call us back to himself. So will you talk to God with me? Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that we can have these moments together uh, with you and with your people, that we can uh, lift our voices in song, that we can think about these words that we're singing, that we can open up scripture and allow your word to uh, speak to our hearts. So we just open ourselves to you right now, Spirit of God. Would you remind us of what is true? Would you encourage us? Would you correct us where we need correction? Would you call us back to yourself? Uh, we want to be pursuing life with you and invite you, Father, to help us in these moments, uh, because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're taking a few weeks to talk about tension, and so I have another picture for you to start this morning that brings up tension. So here's a, an image of tension for you to think about today. <laughs> Anyone know who this is? Donna Kelsey. Her, she's got two sons, both playing in the Super Bowl on different teams. And uh, so she's got a jersey created just for her that has the Eagles and the Chiefs both, um, you know, so she can support both teams. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I hope they have the camera on her next weekend so we can see how she cheers and when she gets upset. Like, what, what do you get upset about when your son is on the winning team always, you know? Like, uh, but there's going to be tension in their household. In the reports this week, uh, she was quoted as saying, somebody's going to go home a loser and neither one of them lose very well. So there's... <laughs> There's tension right there for the Kelsey family this week. Uh, we've, we're taking a few weeks to talk about tension because if we're honest about life, if we're honest about ourselves, if we're honest about the way of Jesus, the truth and the grace that we're called to live in, there's tension in that reality. There's push and pull between what we believe and how we live that out and, and how we talk to others and, and how we meet others in their journey of faith. Um, there's going to be tension. And uh, tension shows up in art. It's a good thing. Artists use tension. They use uh, balance and negative space. They use brush strokes and all of that to influence how we experience their artwork. And so just to capture that for you a little bit this morning, there's a graphic I want to put up on the screen here that captures a little bit of that tension. As you look at this image, you see a dot in the middle, and then it begins to move, and it causes you, as you look at this picture, to, your eyes begin to move with the picture, and you, you, you sense tension in the picture because our, um, you know, our internal wiring says that dot should be in the middle of each square, and it's not, and so it creates tension for us. And artists use this reality when they paint landscapes, when they take pictures, of people to, to push and to pull us and, and move us with their artwork. Uh, we see that happening with the worship team this morning. Trey and the band, they, they use different instrumentation. There was times when the energy got louder, times when the energy got less, and, and they're not using that to manipulate this time. They're using that to remind us that God is present, to invite us back in to the music and into the words of the songs, to, to move us with what God is doing in this moment. Tension in the music. So we spent a few weeks talking about the weight and the gravity and the speed of tension in our lives. We've talked about compassion versus justice, life versus death, 
And, and we've talked about this push and pull that tension creates. Some of you maybe have your rubber bands on this morning. There's more of these rubber bands out at the tall tables in the lobby. If you want to pick one up, and I, I invited you just to have a rubber band to remember that tension is a good thing. You know, rubber bands wouldn't do what they're created to do if they didn't have tension in them. And that God can use tension to stretch us and grow our faith in new ways. My encouragement during the series will continue to be to lean into the tension instead of trying to release tension in your life. I want you to restore the tension. I want you to create that tension again because God uses it to grow us. Some of you might feel like your faith is a little stale. You might be wondering, why does God seem so quiet or silent in my life? It could be that you've settled uh, for the release of that tension that he wants in your life to stretch you and pull you in some new ways. So I want to encourage you to continue to restore the tension. This morning, we're going to talk about the tension between diversity and unity, the push and the pull between diversity and unity. We are, we are different in different ways, and yet we are all created in the image of God. We are individuals, and yet here we are together uh, in one room in community with one another. Last fall, I spent three days on uh, thinking about diversity and unity on what's called a Sankofa journey. Our denomination does a Sankofa journey uh, every fall, and it's a three-day bus tour of the civil rights movement down in, the, uh, down in Alabama and Louisiana and, and Tennessee, and you go to different um, civil rights sites, historic sites, and talk about what happened in those places, and you're intentionally partnered with someone who is racially different than you. So as you go through this three-day experience, you can can stretch and, and share your, each other's experiences and stories. So last week, Ray was here, who was my partner, and he talked about uh, the tension in his life around life and death. And um, I have a picture here of the whole team that went. There's about 30 of us that went, and we're pictured here on the steps of the, um, uh, sorry, on the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And it's a church that in the late 60s, there was a, a bomb at the, that went off at this church that was set by people who were not interested in finding unity with people who are different than them. And this bomb went off and killed four uh, girls at the church there. And it, it brought the church together in a powerful way. This idea that they came together in the midst of a violent act meant to separate. They came together, and we stood on the steps there as a united team, uh, learning together how to lean into this tension around unity and diversity. And scripture's filled with uh, diversity. We even see it in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 as God begins to differentiate and create things in the creation story. He separates dark from light. He differentiates between water, sky, and land. He begins to fill the water with a diversity of animals. And then he fills the land with a diversity of animals. And then he creates human beings, male and female, diverse and yet both made in the image of God. And God said of all this diversity... He said, it is good. And at one point he said, it's very good what he has created. Diversity is understanding and appreciating the interdependence of humanity. It's growing in mutual respect for one another, that every person who's created in the image of God, they have different experiences and different qualities, but, but we can embrace one another. And to really embrace diversity, we have to do more uh, than just acknowledge the differences or tolerate the differences. In fact, Jesus invites us to learn how to love one another, especially those who are different than us, who experience life in a different way. So diversity is appreciating how we are different. And scripture talks a lot about that. It talks about how in the midst of that diversity, there is a, a unity that we need to hold on to. Uh, one illustration we see in scripture is, is God himself. In the Old Testament, Moses stands before the people of Israel, and in Deuteronomy 6, he says, The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. 
the one and only God. God is one. And then years later, Jesus stood in front of his disciples and he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is three. So is God one or is he three? There's tension in that force. Both are true. Unity and diversity in the same heavenly Father. Unity is is belonging together, finding harmony toward one another. Unity is finding ways to love each other, to embrace it. And to embrace unity, we need more than just the absence of hostility. We, we won't think the same way, but we want to move together. We need to find ways to move together uh, to find unity. So diversity is appreciating how we are different. Unity is appreciating what brings us together. Jesus asked that we would come together, that we would find unity. The night before he died on the cross, he prayed for those who would follow him. He prayed for his disciples in that moment, and he prayed for those who would follow him down the centuries, including us. And he asked that God would bring them together and make them one. So this is John 17, Jesus praying. He says, Father, I pray that all of them will be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. I want them also to be in us. Then the world will believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. I did this so that they would be one just as we are one. We find unity with one another and we example, it's like an example of how God is unified and one with the Spirit, Son, and Father. And Jesus said that when we live in unity, that the world will know that God is real, that God is love, that he is with us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, unique and yet one. You and me and the person sitting next to you right now, we are unique and yet Jesus called us to be one, to be unified together, diversity and unity, pushing and pulling, helping us grow and experience a new life in Jesus. We need both of them. We need the tension that they create. Diversity without unity is is just disunity. It's it's, uh, segregation. It it causes us to move into judgmentalism and hate and and fear. We separate ourselves from others and we, we put them in a category where they don't belong. And unity, though, without diversity is uniformity, where we Maybe have like a few boxes that we put everybody in. And if you don't fit in that box, tough, you're going in it. And I'm going to put you in a category and I'm going to categorize the people around me. And and that is also not what we're looking for. We want both unity and diversity, the tension that it creates. So I want to invite you to go with me to scripture. Uh, We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible with you, you want to open up 1 Corinthians 12. We've got the Bible app. Uh, Open up to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. And in this letter, Paul's writing to his friends in Corinth, and he writes to them about this very tension that we're talking about. He says, in the midst of all the different ways that God has gifted us and called us and the kinds of um, ministry he's called us to, uh, we're different in that, but yet we are still one body together. And uh, Paul writes about it in such a powerful way here in 1 Corinthians 12. So look at verse 12, and you can follow along while I read this passage here. Paul writes, he says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, those who follow Jesus. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. And Paul says, we have these categories we used to operate in. We used to be either Jewish or Gentile. We were either servants or we were free people. And he says those categories don't apply anymore because now we are one in Christ. He has brought us together. Verse 15. Now, thinking about the body of Christ, if the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. 
If an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Over and over again, Paul says that there are many parts and yet one body. And he says this is exactly how God wants it to be. He wants all the differences in our calling and our gifting. He wants all of the different personalities, all the different characteristics to come together to form one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. While our presentable parts, oh, sorry, uh, and the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. Verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. There should be no division in the body, but that each part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And then verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Many parts, one body, this movement of God on earth, those of us pursuing new life together in Jesus, it's, it's made up of a diversity of people, tribes, callings, abilities. Why do we pray for other churches around us in Prairie Village? Because we are part of a larger church that is moving in our community, moving around our country, moving around the world, the kingdom of God expanding. It is greater than just Hillcrest. We are part of a great body. One of the things I notice in this letter that Paul writes about, he says, when you try to release the tension between diversity and unity, you start to fall into different traps that will, will keep you from living into the way that God created you to live. Verse 15 and 16, Paul writes, suppose the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. Or the, eye says, or the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. They are still a part of the body. He's talking about this side effect. When we try to release the tension, we can easily, easily become envious of other parts of the body. We, we see how they're different from us and we don't, we don't understand how could they belong. How is it that I belong with them and they belong with me? There's this resentment, this, this idea of we, we can't be together. The, the foot's envious of the hand and it says we're not the same so we can't be united. And Paul reminds us, no, we are one body, united together, even in our differences. He says we need those differences to do what God's called us to do. How about verse 21? Look at verse 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This is another side effect of releasing the tension. It's called contempt, where we look at people and say, you don't belong here. You're not supposed to be here. We start to minimize certain types of people, certain gifts, certain abilities. We start to assume that we're better off if they weren't here. We say, I don't need you. Those are the words of contempt. But the eye can't do what the hand can do. What would a head do if it didn't have feet to move it around, right? That's what Paul is saying here. The whole body will suffer if it tries to move forward with the vision that it has without all the parts of the body involved. There's no place for contempt in this body. One more verse, a couple more verses here, verse 25 and 26. He says, in that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of each other. If one part suffers, they all suffer. If one part is honored, they all rejoice. 
that the part was honored. When we don't honor our diversity in the midst of our community together, we'll start to pick favorites. We'll take care of the ones that are similar to us. We'll hang out with the people that we're comfortable with, and we'll start to walk away from others. But God doesn't play favorites, and neither should we. Celebrating diversity can be a real struggle for us because we get tripped up by envy, by contempt. We show favoritism, and Jesus invites us to walk in a different way. He invites us to live a different kind of life in in our world, in our community, in our families, where we work, where we go to school. He invites us to live differently. Dallas Seminary is a school that trains a lot of pastors and church leaders, and they have a statement about unity and diversity. And I just want to read a short little part of that statement. Here's what they wrote. God's people today, like those in the church of Galatia, have consistently struggled to celebrate our unique God-given differences of ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and gender. Instead, we have constructed systems and engaged in practices both consciously and unconsciously. I think that unconsciously word, we should underline that. That's a pretty key thought, that we do this sometimes unconsciously because we're so used to being comfortable and around people we like. And we can unconsciously cut people out, push out parts of the body that we need. This is why we have to push ourselves to be uncomfortable, to take on experiences that will put us in places that we haven't been before so that we can experience something new. So they say, we've created these systems and engage in practices, both consciously and unconsciously, that have prioritized some people over others. So rather than being known for our love, Christians have failed to love each other on a scale that we sometimes have made the headlines. And you guys have seen the news stories and the reports when the church fails to love well. And whenever I see them, it breaks my heart. We can do better. So I'm going to give you a visual to try to capture this idea, this struggle that we're in, the tension between uh, diversity and unity. There's a concept that was first first written about about years ago by a name named uh, Paul Hebert. And Paul is known as a a missiological anthropologist. There's a mouthful for you. I've uh, shopped at anthropology, but I've never been called a missiological anthropologist. So he was a, a missionary in India and a professor at Fuller Seminary, and he writes about something called bounded set versus centered set thinking. So are you guys ready for the whiteboard? We're going to do this this morning. I have to, we have to do a diagram to pull this off. So I have an old school whiteboard today. Our digital one was getting glitchy, so we got the old school. So there, there's two ways of thinking that Paul writes about, uh, this Paul Hebert. He writes about bounded set and centered set. And so bounded set is when, and what we're doing here is thinking, how do you think about people? How do you think about groups of people? How do you think about organizations? And so a bounded set thinking says that there is a group of people that are connected because they've drawn something around them. They've, they've uh, uh, said that they're going to believe a certain way or move a certain way, and that is how they differentiate them from those outside the circle. So there's positive things about this and negative things about this. So in a positive way, sometimes we draw a circle around a, a statement of faith. We say, we believe this is true, and this is part of what makes us who we are, and uh, all people are invited to come and experience that truth, but we, we say that this is a true faith statement for us. Uh, maybe it's joining a social action group, and you say, this group is going to make a difference in our community by taking on this social ill, and, and we have decided to do that together, while these people haven't decided to do that, so we're going to identify a bounded set this way. So at Hillcrest, as a church, there are times when we are a bounded set approach to community life. There are 
things that we say. We have membership here at Hillcrest. That's a bounded set thinking where some people have said, I want to commit to this church. I want to invest in this church, and I want to be part of what God's doing through this church. And members of this church, uh, you know, have to go through a, a class we call Trailhead. There's a new one starting this Wednesday, so if you've ever thought about becoming a member here, you can join us for Trailhead. They go to that class, and then they sit with other leaders of the church and share their faith story. And then the members of the church, they uh, ex- receive them in as new members at the church. And as a, as a church community, we've said that only members can serve on our, our leadership teams, our, our governance board, our staff team. Uh, they can, only members can be on the nominating com- committee because we've said those people that decide who the pastor is going to be here, who's going to decide what the budget is for this church community, those, those are going to be members because we want to know that they've understood that Jesus is the Lord of their life, that Jesus saves them and leads them in this life. And that's become how we are bounded together as a community of faith. And that, that's a good way to approach it. We, it's okay to have that. There's also another way of thinking that is a centered set way, way of thinking. And in this way of thinking, you, you say all people that are moving towards something in the center are connected. We are united around our movement towards something in the middle. And so as a church, we have in the middle of our church, Jesus, the cross of Christ, that he came and gave his life for us and and uh, took our sin and our rebellion on himself and gave his life. And so every person around us that is moving towards Jesus is part of who we are. They are unified with us. They are welcomed and brought in and part of what God is doing in us as a community because we're moving towards Jesus together. Now, there might be some people that are on the outside moving a little around the circle. There could be somebody really close that's actually moving away. There could be somebody way out over here and they don't, we don't even know who they are. They could be a neighbor that you have or a coworker, or a friend at school, and they're like interested in church stuff. Maybe you've talked to them a little bit about Christmas and Christmas Eve or something, and they're kind of interested. They're moving towards Jesus, but they're not, they haven't even been in the building yet, but they're still part of what God is doing here through us as a community of faith. Hillcrest, we exist for all people to experience God's grace and love. We, we love people. We welcome everyone here. They may not agree with everything that we say is true, They might not share our theology. They may not share our political perspectives. In this room are people all across the spectrum and how they spend their money, how they live their lives, how they vote, all across the spectrum. But we're all pursuing Jesus. We're all wanting to be more like him. We're wanting to know who he is and who he's calling us to be. Often our our bounded setness can get to be a, a challenge for us because we start to use it as a way of excluding people. Saying you, you don't belong here because you don't think like us. You don't belong here because you haven't taken the steps you're supposed to take. And that bounded setness can often lead to judgmentalism and pride and a lack of grace. Uh, but there's a way to shift the story so that we can continue to be a welcoming place for all people. And I want to get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to look at Jesus and an example he gives us of this, these two different models at work. So Jesus talked about moving toward him. He talked about the centered set thinking. When he did that, he spoke about a table. And he said how people are invited to the table. Everybody's welcome to come to the table. And there's several stories in the New Testament of Jesus at the table. We looked at one a few weeks ago, Luke 14. And at the table, Jesus sat with people that other people, other religious leaders denied or overlooked. He he was with the wrong kinds of people, according to some of the religious leaders. But he told a story in Luke 14 about the kingdom of God. And we looked at this, I think, two weeks ago. He said the kingdom of God is is like a feast. And the master of the feast plans this party and invites all these people. And then the day of the party comes and everyone starts to make excuses why they can't come. 
So he goes to his servants and he says, go out and get people to come in. Go invite all people to come in. The table is ready. What we need is it to be filled up. And so Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a master who says, fill up my table. The table was at the center and all those who came to the table were part of what God was doing in that moment, in that story. Another table story that Jesus uses in Mark chapter 2, I want to read this one to you. Mark chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Later, Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, and many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. You hear the label there, don't you? They were part of a large crowd following Jesus, and some teachers of the law who were Pharisees were there, and they saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, so they asked his disciples, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see the bounded set mindset that they're coming with. Those aren't the right kind of people. They haven't agreed to the things that we agree to. They're not living the way that we think we should be living. So why does he sit with them? And Jesus heard what was being said. So he said to them, those who are healthy do not need a doctor. Sick people do. I've not come to get those who think they are right with God to follow me. I've come to get sinners to follow me. So Jesus would say, was saying at the center of this, what, those who follow him are those who know they need healing. So you could put the word healing here. Anyone who's pursuing healing, anyone who realizes they're sick and they need to be transformed, Jesus says, those are the ones that I sit with. Those are the ones who are at the table with me. Jesus brought them together across their diversity, and he brought them into this unified place at the table. Hillcrest, we exist for all people. We are here so that anyone and everyone can find new life in Jesus. We invite all in. Our centered setness means that we welcome people who don't look like us, don't act like us. If they're moving towards Jesus and they want to see what God's all about, they are welcomed in. That's why they're here. And when they stop moving towards Jesus, we continue to welcome them and love them and pray for them and invite them in. I'm hoping we can grow in our ability to invite and welcome all people. And it doesn't mean that we release the things that bind us together. We have values. We have uh, belief statements that we hold on to. But maybe there's a different way to think about this bounded setness. And, and maybe if you think about this, this wall around us like a fence. You know, the fence has fence posts and it has cross beams. What if we took the cross beams down and we kept the fence, fence posts up and said, you know what, if you want to follow Jesus, these fence posts, these are now signposts that point people towards what Christ is doing in the world today, that point toward what is true and good and right. We believe that Jesus is the way to know God. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father God except through me. We believe that's true. We believe that the Bible is the word of God, the words of God that help us to know why we were created, why we are here. We believe that it's a signpost that can point people towards the center of where we're heading. Instead of them being walls, what if they were signposts for us? that help bring about change in the lives of people that we care about. So I want to give you just a couple ways as we finish up here to engage with the tension around diversity and unity, some practical ways to to lean into that. And the first is about this idea of the bounded set wall that we have. Think about your life for a moment. Think about how you interact with people, how you interact with uh, news stories and other stories that you read about. If you're building walls to keep people out, I just want to encourage you to consider, what would, what would God have you do about that? How would he have you take down the barriers that keep people from coming in and instead embrace signposts that point people towards Jesus? How can we take down barriers that we've created that maybe don't honor God, that aren't part of what God would have us do, maybe makes it more comfortable for us, but we need to take those down so that we can 
be a place where all people can explore life with Jesus and what it means to walk with him. Sometimes we say things like, you know what? You can't be a Christian and live that way. You can't be a Christian and vote that way. You can't be a Christian and speak that way. What if instead we said, you know what? God's moving in the lives of every person around us. And there's so many that want to know what life is about, what Jesus has done. And instead of creating artificial barriers, what if we pointed the way? Says, here's what we believe is true. Here's how you can move towards Jesus with us. We can disagree about many things while holding up signposts that point towards the Jesus that saves us every day. Second, I just want to invite you to look for people to invite to your table, like Jesus did. When there's a party, when you have a gathering, who can you invite into your home to, into, around that table? I, I hear there's something going on next Sunday here in Kansas City, like there's a party going on or something <laughs> next Sunday. This big Super Bowl taking place, and, and some of you might be hosting Super Bowl parties. You might be going to a Super Bowl party. Um, think about those people that will be there. Maybe invite someone new that you wouldn't have thought to invite until you started being pressed to think about different kinds of diversity of people. Some people watch the, the football game because it's a great game. Other people watch football games on the Super Bowl because of why? What, what are they watching? The commercials, right. There's going to be a, a couple commercials in the Super Bowl next week. I want to give you a heads up about them because they're going to be talking about how we can point people towards Jesus. I got my hands on one of the commercials, so I want to show this to you. So watch this commercial with me. A caring man took a walk. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high. Hope dwindled. Hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles. Shared joy. Shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. I don't know if you've seen any of those commercials this fall as they've been on during football. Anybody, anybody seen those commercials? Been, yeah, several of you. So there's going to be a couple at the Super Bowl. And so next Sunday, we're going to have some t-shirts here and some stickers that say uh, he gets us. And if you want to wear one to a game, that commercial is going to come on. And the people around are going to say, hey, wait, you got the sticker on. You got that t-shirt on. What is this about? And it's, it's, a, it's a movement that started here in Kansas City and has gone national. And it's helping people pursue Jesus because people are fascinated by Jesus. And, and so they can go to that website. What's really cool is people that go to that website, hegetsus.com, they, they can ask for prayer, they can ask questions, they can talk, ask about churches in the area. And Hillcrest, we get explorers through that website. About every week we'll get two or three people that will be reaching out for prayer, that are wondering about faith, and, and our staff get a chance to follow up with them. And uh, it doesn't always bring about good conversation, but sometimes it does. And there's some people that have started to attend here through that outreach. And so uh, He Gets Us is going to be taking place during the Super Bowl. I want to give you a heads up about it. So you can be thinking about, you know, when that commercial comes on, is there something I can do or say or be present that God might use me to help draw people towards Jesus just using that commercial? A third one here, this is really practical. At the end of this month, uh, Jessica Fick and Natalie Moultrie are going to be starting a new uh, small group that's going to go for five weeks, and it's called Breaking Barriers, and it's going to meet on Sunday afternoons right after this service and until uh, about 1.30. Again, just for five weeks, a great chance for you to get to know some other people in the church. 
um, but to lean into this idea of diversity and the tension it has with unity. And so here's a description of the group. Uh, Jesus came to break down the barriers and he prayed for unity so we can love one another freely. In this five-week experiential study, we'll explore scripture, reflect on our experiences, and participate in cultural outings to help us develop God's heart for our neighbors and live in the unity Jesus prayed for in John 15, the passage we went to just a few minutes ago. So if you're not in a group and would love to, you know, kind of explore this some more, uh, that group is starting up at the end of February. You can use those connection cards and just say, hey, I'd like to know more about breaking barriers. You can go on our website and sign up for the group through there. But that's another great next step for you. And finally, last one today is that uh, this morning we get to celebrate communion together. And communion is a chance for us to remember that Jesus is at the center of our lives, that he gave his life on the cross so that my sin, my rebellion, your sin, your rebellion could be covered and that we could be in relationship with our creator God again. Jesus hung on that cross and so at communion we remember that his body was broken and his blood was shed. And we take in these elements, the the bread and the juice that remind us of his body and his blood. And we do this every month to remember Jesus. And one of the things in this centered set that we talked about is as people are moving, maybe moving away, this is a chance for us to think about, you know, how am I doing in my walk with Jesus? Am I moving towards him or am I moving away from him? And all we have to do is say in our hearts, you know what, I want to follow you, Christ. I want to know you, Jesus. All we have to do is say that we're interested in, in him changing us and we, we can turn ourselves around and start to move towards Christ again. And the Bible calls this repentance, when we identify our brokenness and our need for forgiveness and we turn around and we say, I want to pursue life with Jesus and we begin to walk with him again. And so communion gives us a chance to think about that and reflect on it. So in a moment, we're going to pray together over this, but I want to invite the, the worship team to come back up. I want to invite Jessica to come and join me. And if uh, you're one of the, those who will be serving the elements this morning, I want to invite you to come up as well, those who are serving communion to us today. And as you, uh, as you come up, uh, go ahead and take your elements and, and move to your stations where you're going to be standing. That would be great. In a moment, we're going to invite you to, to stand up and to, to walk down and pick up a, a cup that has bread in it, a cup that has juice in it, and to take those back to your seat and take these elements in as a way of remembering the life that Jesus came to give you, the life that he paid for on the cross. And so if you're in these middle two sections, we're going to invite you to walk towards the middle and come down this middle aisle. If you're in the outer two sections, we're going to invite you to walk out towards the walls and come up to those stations and receive these elements as we remember Jesus' life for us. And, And this time is for any of you that are pursuing life with Jesus, following after him, wanting to walk with Jesus. It's a chance for us to remember. So Jessica's going to read uh, the words of Paul about communion in the New Testament, and she's going to pray for us as well. This is 1 Corinthians 11, 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. When he had given thanks, he said, "This uh, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we remember you today. We remember your sacrifice on the cross for us so we could be healed, forgiven, and live into freedom. We ask that you would help us to reflect today on the places that we need your Holy Spirit to heal us from the inside out. 
And we ask uh, with thanksgiving that you would fill our hearts with joy for you and for the people around us. Amen. Come and receive the body and blood of Christ. Thanks so much for being here this morning. I want to invite our prayer team up at this time. If there's a a need in your life, if there's something weighing on you, we'd love to be able to pray with you and encourage you and and lift you up this morning. So come on up here. Let us pray with you this morning. And as you go, that song, just the words, shine your light and let the world see the glory of the coming King. Let, Let that be the call this week that you would go and shine the light of God's love around your family, around your neighborhood, where you work, where you go to school. Go and be that light, and we'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.